Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Really excited today to be joined by Justin Nguyen, who is the CEO and founder of Declassified Media. We're going to be talking about career readiness from the perspective of college students, college age folks, and the rising generations. Hopefully get some of Justin's perspective on what's new and emerging. He's a maestro when it comes to new media, social media, TikTok, all the goodness that we'll be getting into in a bit. But before we get to any of that, I want to welcome Justin to the show. Justin, welcome to Trending in Education. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited to, to talk everything from not having to dance on TikTok to higher ed to careers, whatever it may be. I'm excited, man. Awesome. Yeah. And or dancing on TikTok. Who knows where this conversation <laughs> may go, but you're someone who has had a bit of a meteoric rise in the last year or two. And it's been a very crazy time to be launching a business and seeing it take off. We always begin by asking our guests for their origin story. So can you catch our listeners up on what got you to this point in your professional life? Totally. Yeah. I think the journey really started off when I was in college, because uh, that was the beginning of my content creation journey. So when I was in college, I went to University of Central Florida. It's a non-target school. So I needed to find a way to stand out because my goal as a business student was like, how can I get into the big four to do consulting or land a job on Wall Street to do investment banking mm -hmm. as pretty much like every business student in the world is dreaming of. So I started creating content on LinkedIn. It started to go really well. And I realized that there was this niche around career education, especially for college students mm -hmm. that needed a little bit more help, especially there's a lot of students out there that are first generation students now. And both of my parents are Vietnamese refugees. So I fall into that category. Yeah. And a lot of us needed help because our parents didn't know much better other than what they either saw on TV or what worked for them maybe 20, 30 years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. So that's when I started creating content and started going viral. And I never really did anything with that until about around the time that the pandemic started. Because my whole reasoning was I wanted to create a, a company that never had to charge students for the content. So the content was always free. So I needed to find an interesting way to build a business model around that. Mm -hmm. So that's why we started Declassified Media as a media company so we can monetize the companies that want to get in front of our audience mm -hmm. rather than monetizing our students directly. So we work with companies that want to get their programs or their courses courses, whatever it may be in front of our students. And then we're able to provide all of this free career education to the 300 plus thousand students that follow our stuff across all social platforms. Yeah. Yeah. And then the tone is very much your voice. It is very much in the voice of someone who's younger, who has recently graduated from college, even the way you're describing your game plan for your career path and your trajectory. And then also the tone is not, you know, hashtag old. It's not like what older people are trying to do to communicate with a younger set. It's actually by and for, I guess, young millennials and in particular Gen Z folks who are maybe college age right now and are really trying to bridge out of college age into that first good job to get them on the career path that they want. Can you talk a little bit about your tone and, and the way in which you're communicating? Because it did strike me as, as different. Yeah, definitely. I don't necessarily think the older generations mean to do this. But a lot of times when they're giving advice, it seems like they talk down to students. They're like, hey, if you want to get to XYZ, you need to do ABC to get there. And I think that has worked for previous generations. But because Gen Z is so digitally native in the way that they've 
literally had all the information at their fingertips. It's just been up to them, whether they want to Google something or YouTube something, mm -hmm. they don't have the same level of understanding that older people know more than they do because they have been able to have access to all this information. Whereas older generations maybe had to go to a library or there was a key difference between having 20 years of experience in something. And then now you can just literally listen to people that have 20 years of experience talk on YouTube. Of course, there's differences there, but in Gen Z's mind, as we all were when we were young, we think that we know everything. I just think that that's exasperated uh, with Gen Z yeah. right now. Yeah. So I think with our tone, we're coming from a place of, hey, we were just you in my instance, three years ago, that's when I graduated, but we're also starting to work with younger creators that are freshmen, sophomore, juniors, and seniors in college mm -hmm. so that they can come from a, Hey, I know that this has worked for me and I'm still in college right now. And I think that sort of tone of voice rather than, Hey, this worked for me 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. What because it's a slight change, I think that helps out. That's from an age thing. And you might be thinking, I can't get younger. So how do I compete with Justin and declassified media? And what I would tell you there is the other side of what we're doing is we're actually listening to our audience. So what I mean by that is when we were going out there and trying to figure out what type of podcast would actually work for the college demographic, we took a look at pretty much every career podcast out there. And 90% of them, I would say maybe even 99% of them were some sort of long form 30 to 60 minute long show. Uh, and it was typically a quote unquote career expert talking to another quote unquote career expert. Yeah. And I think that's a great perspective to have, but there wasn't any younger perspectives on there. So when we talked to students, they were telling us, Hey, we want shorter shows. We're used to 10 minute vlogs on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And we're like, okay, that's cool. What do you like about vlogs? We like about how there's different characters. It's like a TV show. Mm -hmm. So with our declassified college show, we made sure that pretty much every episode is five to 15 minutes long. And every episode usually will feature anywhere between two to five different perspectives. And those perspectives can be other professionals, career experts, as well as students who are doing the thing that they want to hear about right then and there. Yeah. So we're able to encapsulate every perspective rather than just one. Yeah. And it's a little bit irreverent at times. I think in a good way, from what I've seen, there's a little bit of not necessarily thumbing your nose at uh, the <laughs> establishment, but there's a little bit of the Gen Z swagger that you were talking about that, that I, I do think resonates. And interestingly, I think it resonates also with the older set too, where, where frequently folks are trying to understand what would it be like? How can I empathize with job seekers in today's day and age? And I imagine a lot of the companies who are trying to put their offerings in front of your audience are recognizing that there are ways in which you're connecting that are good and are perhaps more authentic than the relationship that they may have with, with other brands. I know you've done a lot of experimentation and listen to your audience. You have been putting career readiness stuff out on TikTok and leveraging what's new and emerging, playing with your head up and being opportunistic through this crazy period. Can you talk about some of your experiments and maybe some of the insights that you've reached as you've found your way in these crazy times? Totally. So at the beginning of TikTok, I was doing what pretty much every social media manager probably at any higher ed um, institution does and goes on YouTube, okay, how do I figure out the TikTok algorithm? What should I be doing to grow a TikTok following and trying to watch 
all of these different hacks on TikTok. And I think they work for a specific type of piece of content. But if you're trying to do educational content, which is what we're based around, um, it, a lot of that advice typically doesn't work. So if there's a trending dance, how do you relate dancing to talking about how to optimize your LinkedIn profile? Right. It's really hard unless you're going to be dancing on screen and pointing to different things, which some people have done, uh -huh. but I personally just, I suck at dancing and this isn't going to work for me. So we tried to do like the comedic trends every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And those were doing decent, but they weren't really popping off. And we were trying to figure out, okay, what could get us over a hundred thousand views, 500,000 views, yeah. a million views. Yeah. And we were doing the comedic stuff, all the trending stuff, but every five or seven posts on TikTok, what I would do is do like a voiceover, or then I would try to do a TikTok around a podcast snippet. So just trialing and erroring and seeing what would work. And what we actually realized was the videos, funny enough, without my face in it. And if it's just my voice talking and we're like animating things in or out of, of the video, those tend to do the best, even when it's around educational content. Like one of our I think it's the most viewed TikTok is like 4.4 million or something crazy like that. Yeah. It's around us saying how living on campus is a scam for college and just walking students through how if you have the money, you're able to rent a house and then you can rent those rooms to your friends. Right. Or you, if your parents have a lot of money, they can buy the house and then you can rent it out to your friends. And then that's how you're able to live rent free and you're saving tens of thousands of dollars. We literally made that whole TikTok without having a face in it. Yeah. It was just screenshots of receipts of, okay, this is how much this house costs. This is how much rent in this area costs. This is how much room and board costs at this school, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And just piecing it together with a trending sound on the, the video, yeah. it, it made it pop off. Yeah, that makes sense. And I like to joke that I have a face for podcasting. So apparently I may also <laughs> have a face for TikTok. So be on the lookout for our, our TikTok channel perhaps uh, launching in the future, you're focused on career readiness and you've talked a lot about higher education. Those are themes that come up all the time on this podcast. We talk a lot about the future of work. We talk about how the rising generations are facing new challenges in terms of standing out and making the connections and, and getting on the right trajectory in their lives. Can you talk a little bit about some of what you're seeing in terms of the state of play for higher ed and the bridge between higher ed and that first good job? Yeah, I think right now the biggest issue with college and finding that first job is I think at this point, universities just don't even know what they don't know. And what I mean by that is typically I used to say that students didn't know what they don't know. And I think that is still part of the issue. But if you're a student and you don't know what you don't know, you're looking at your university to be able to educate you on this. What I mean by this is right now we're seeing a really interesting time when it comes to wages, right? You can go and work at Amazon or whatever, maybe in some places they're paying up $20 an hour. So let's just say $40,000 a year. So I had a friend who was graduating during the middle of the pandemic from UCF, hospitality major, because... Orlando is the tourist capital of the world. So we have a good hospitality program mm -hmm. and he could not find a job to save his life, of course, because who was hiring during the middle of the pandemic for hospitality. And even if he did get any job offers, and I think one of the jobs that he is working now, he's making around 35, $40,000 a year. Yeah. yeah. Why would someone 
want to work that if they could potentially make more as a manager in Taco Bell. Cause I think Taco Bell is like offering $70,000 as a manager to do the same amount of work and you're almost doubling your pay. It's right. very hard to convince someone to go and work even in the space that they went to school for. Right. And schools are continuously only pushing you to apply for those hospitality roles because you got a hospitality degree. But I told him, um, he didn't take me up on my offer, but I told him and I was like, Hey, like you should look into tech. And he's, what do you mean? I don't know how to code. And I'm like, you don't need to know how to code to work at a tech company. Every tech company has non-technical roles. And the example that I gave to him is you've worked in hospitality pretty much his whole four years. He's got a crap ton of, a ton of customer service experience. Go become a, a customer success manager or associate whatever role you can get at a tech company. Probably minimally what you'll be making is 45 to 50, yeah. um, but that can easily get to six figures as you continue to scale in that role. Mm -hmm. And tech companies are hiring like crazy during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I think there needs to be a switch in the career side of the career services side mm -hmm. of showcasing that. Yes, you might have a hospitality degree, but you don't have to work in hospitality and that's okay. I think it, there should be a shift away from degrees for qualifications for jobs and more towards, okay, what skills did you learn in your previous jobs and how does that qualify you for a job that's actually hiring right now? Yeah, it's interesting. Another trend related to this that we've talked about a bunch on the show is the, the Googles and the Amazons are also creating pathways to actual technical jobs where they'll, they'll hire you out of high school, they'll pay you, and they'll mm -hmm. also provide you with education on the job that will make you ready for a successful career down the road. Any reactions to that? Because it sounds like you're coming from within higher ed, you're trying to help higher ed, and there's certainly a lot of benefit to the sheepskin effect. Having the, the degree shows that you have the the grid and the resolve to actually get across the finish line. But does higher ed have a problem on its hands here? And do you have any perspective on alternative paths and what else is going on out there uh, in the world? People have been talking about the problem with higher ed for the past 10 years or so. Yeah. But I think we won't see that real shift of quote unquote hatred towards higher ed or is college worth it until the sons and daughters of millennials get to college. So that might not be for another 15, 20 years or so. And the reason I say that is I think the millennial generation was like the first generation to really understand student debt and in, in the way of they didn't understand student debt. So that's why they have a lot of it. Yeah. And because of that disdain of student debt, I think that's is going to cause a lot of reflections of okay, is higher ed actually worth it? Is this worth tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars mm -hmm. uh, to be graduating, making 35, 40, $50,000 a year yeah. when you can go, like you said, take a Coursera course. Like I have a friend who went hard during the pandemic. I think he completed 60 plus certifications because he, he just took a leave of absence from school. He was like, I'm just going to go hard, did those certifications. And then he got like a six figure job offer from Walmart. So there is credibility and that as well. Yeah. So I think there is a shift that is starting to happen, but I don't think you'll see a real big decline until probably another 15 or 20 years if higher ed doesn't change its stance on anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good insight. And then the other thing I wanted to talk a bit about, I'm always looking for places outside of education to find inspiration. Having consumed a little bit of your content, it does seem like there's a bit of a, almost like a gamer kind of sensibility to it. Like you're looking for hacks and and cheat codes and ways to work 
around the system. First off, anything along those lines that you can expand on, I'd, I'd love to hear. Totally. So from the gaming gamer lens, you're completely right there. So that kind of just came from personal experience. So to say, I love video games and it just happened that video games have really been popping off over the past five years or so. Yeah. So I was like, how can combine the trend of video games with my love for video games and then higher ed as, as well. So that's why there is that little gamer aspect to it, whether that's like our logo looking like the old Nintendo, or if it's like the little sound effects in our podcast, whatever it may be, that's there for a reason, just a little hint at the gaming side. Outside of education, where do you look for inspiration? Where do you find new and emerging trends to, to stay relevant? Totally. So the way that I look at higher ed and the whole higher ed space in general is I think of it as I get to play in the future. And what I mean by that is because higher ed typically moves so slow and especially careers departments in higher ed usually move slower than higher ed in general, I get to play five, 10 years in advance. So whatever I'm seeing my friends doing in tech, or even if I'm scrolling on the TikTok for you page and I'm like, oh, that's an interesting um, video idea. How can I relate that back to higher ed? So an example of that is the other day, um, and this episode might be released after this TikTok series is actually put out. So if you want, you can check out our, our TikTok page at Declassified Collars to see how this actually plays out. But on my For You page, there was this guy who walked up to a random student, I believe, and said, hey, if you can guess this Pokemon, I'll give you a dollar. And he's like an outline of a Pokemon. And that was like, oh, that's really interesting. But how can I do a giveaway like that around higher ed, but also tie the giveaway to college experience in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. So I'm collaborating with a UCF TikToker who's been blowing up over the past couple of months. And we're going to be going out tomorrow with cutout drawings of different logos of that student to use all the time. So that's going to be like a Chegg logo, a Quizlet logo, mm -hmm. a canvas logo and then a group me logo mm. and then it's going to be graduation on friday as well for ucf yeah. and it's going to be like our gift for you grinding and graduating and so we've got actually four gift cards to a local restaurant we partnered up with them to do this yeah. and if they are able to guess the logo in like 10 or 15 seconds they get a 25 dollars gift card so that's like how i'm able to find okay what's working or what has worked and then what is a way that we can combine that with what's happening in the college ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And I could see how that would then tie to the software providers as well, where they see that you're using their software. So it's all connecting, Justin. I, I like your game plan here. Where do you see this playing forward? You're now a few years in, you're three years out of college. You've seen really strong growth of Declassified over the last couple of years now that the pandemic started, maybe beginning just for Declassified and for where you're heading. What does the future hold for you? What do you see on the horizon? I think if we're able to achieve the goals that we want to hit, we become the BuzzFeed or the overtime sports of career education. So the same way that they have, both of those industries have really made their niche really cool again, BuzzFeed with news and overtime with sports. We want to make career education cool for students. And so we're starting to do that with TikTok. And our goal is to continue to build out different verticals on our TikTok. So right now we've just got the at declassified college page, but a page that we're actually going to be releasing early next year is going to be declassified computer science. And that's going to be all about helping computer science, whether that's landing jobs, answering interview questions, 
XYZ, that's going to be a deep dive into there. And our goal is to, how can we continue to scale that of declassified computer science, maybe a declassified product page, declassified marketing, mm-hmm. um, yada, yada, yada. That's where we think we can continue to scale and grow this thing mm-hmm. um, into one of the largest, if not the largest career education media companies out there. Yeah. Yeah. I love the vision and I can actually see you getting there over time. I did find it interesting. You spent a lot of time in LinkedIn and that is the career placement platform that's out there. Are there any new pathways in, or are you recommending that folks continue to go through the traditional pathway to that job? Because a lot of the the top tier companies, they have a strong presence in LinkedIn, Indeed, et cetera. But do you see anything new emerging on the horizon around career matching or career readiness? Do you have any insight to share there? Yeah, I I love LinkedIn as a content creator platform. Uh, I think as a job searching platform, it can be really tough if you're just applying to jobs. I don't think there's enough education out there that teaches people how to actually utilize LinkedIn. Out of all the platforms, whether you're comparing it to LinkedIn, Indeed, whatever it may be, I do think LinkedIn is the best one because it's really the only one where you have the potential to connect with someone at that university or at that company Mm -hmm. um, that could potentially hire you one day. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a unique aspect there compared to an Indeed where it's really just a job board. But I do think that the problem comes where a lot of people just apply to somewhere and they never hear back. And so it's, okay, how do you overcome that issue? And I think the only way to do that, and I've talked about this several times on my show, is you have to find a way to be different in your application. So for me, like, for instance, I've been really trying to learn more about Web3, NFTs, and blockchain and things of that nature. Yeah, I'm not an expert, so please don't ask me to explain any of that. I'm just trying to learn about it. And there's this really unique company that's combining the creator economy or the community economy with Web3. I was like, oh, this looks really cool. And they had a podcast consulting role. And I was like, oh, I would apply for that, make it a little bit extra income and help grow the show. And I get to learn about Web3 and talk to yeah. cool people while doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of just applying. So I did apply. What I actually did was I turned my resume into an NFT which you can do for free. And then I airdropped it, which if you're familiar with like iPhones, it's the same thing if you airdrop something like a photo to someone else. I airdropped this NFT to the founder of this company. And it turned actually turned out that they were going to interview me just based off of my resume yeah. um, alone. But then they found out that I had airdropped the uh, the NFT to, to the founder. And that just helped me out a little bit more. Yeah. So I think, again, just trying to find different ways to make yourself stand out. Mm -hmm. That's ideal, whether that's sending emails to the founders or whether that's a unique way to disguise your resume as an actual resume. Yeah. Um, That's how you stand out from all of the noise. Yeah. It it reminds me of the the gamer mentality, too, where you're trying to crack the code to some extent and you don't necessarily follow the traditional advice Instead, you make it your own. And by virtue of doing that, you can start to, to chart your own path. And I think there's really good good insight there. I did want to touch on, you, you mentioned the creator economy. I did want to touch on that as well, where that is a major movement that has been happening that we've talked about a bit on the show is that you know there are folks who now are finding successful careers as influencers, as makers of TikToks. And that's now... Cu- connecting back to more traditional professional lives. Uh, The term I've heard also is the passion economy. You find out what you love to do and begin to make stuff 
in support of that passion. And then over time, try to connect that back to your sort of core career trajectory. You have any perspective on all this? You seem like someone who's really plugged into the creator economy and you got your TikTok popping off here. Any perspective on these terms and what it might mean to the future work and, and getting the career that you want? Yeah, I think it's the future. If you're willing to put in the time and effort, I still, of course, think there will be people working nine to fives. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But for the people that want to do something different, the internet now allows you to do that. And what I mean by that is, okay, let's say you're really good at Microsoft Excel. If you're working a corporate job, great, cool. You're good at Microsoft Excel. Maybe you get more work because of it, but you probably won't be able to increase your pay or get more vacation days or whatever it may be, because you're really good at Microsoft Excel. If you think like career education is boring, Microsoft Excel is even more boring. This is where I think the creator economy is super unique, where if you can find even the most boring topics like Excel and turn it into something interesting so that you can understand people's attention, yeah. people use Excel every single day of their lives, but a lot of people don't know how to use certain formulas or do macros or whatever it is. And you can find a way to quickly show people how to do that in an interesting way on a TikTok. I think her name is Miss.Excel. Yeah. I don't know personally how much she's making, but I can only assume that she's bringing in way more money than she would at any corporate job mm -hmm. just because she understands Excel and understands how to market it in a specific way. Yeah. And I think the biggest future of work issue that we're going to be seeing is do schools get upended because of this because a lot of teachers have an expertise in something, and especially the first to fifth grade market, parents spend so much money. It's actually insane, especially moms, that if you're able to find a niche that you really understand, you can probably make a solid business just selling to the parents of elementary school students mm -hmm. and teaching them whether that's counting skills or alphabet, math, whatever it is, just by creating content online. Yeah. And I think that's going to create an interesting dynamic because most teachers don't get paid um, enough um, to be dealing with a lot of the stuff that they deal with. I think they should be paid way more. And mm -hmm. the internet might be a place that actually allows that. Yeah. And I guess you learn by doing, right? To a certain extent, you learn by being experimental and by actually getting in there and making things while also measuring the results. I know folks who contemplate doing things a lot, but once you actually get in there and get your hands dirty, that's where the real rubber meets the road. As we're getting closer to conclusion, Justin, I always love to ask my guests, what's out there in the world that's new, that's exciting? We used to say the new hotness. What's on the horizon uh, that you're seeing? You mentioned NFTs, which sounded pretty cool. Web3, any perspective on, on some of these new things? that you see out there that are capturing your imagination. What's out there that our listeners might benefit from looking into? If you're someone like me, just spending 10 minutes a day or some small amount of time that you can't allocate to learning about um, Web3, I think that is going to benefit you and your career immensely. All of my really like super smart friends, they're starting to leave their Web 2.0 job. So you can think of Web 2.0 as like the, the Googles of the world, Microsofts of the world, et cetera. They're starting to leave those jobs to work at Web 3.0 companies. And that's because they believe that Web3 is what working at Google and Facebook when you were the first 100 employees yeah. could potentially net you in the future. Just to excite you about or like excite your audience about Web3. I know everyone talks about Ethereum or Bitcoin or whatever it is and seeing the crazy prices. That is literally just the surface of it. A month ago or so, 
a group of online people, myself included, I was one of a few thousand people that donated towards this cause, were trying to buy the U.S. Constitution or a copy of the U.S. Constitution because it was on auction by Sotheby's, I believe. And somehow the internet raised over $45 million in the course of a week to buy this um, constitution. And we actually ended up getting outbid by someone who hates like crypto, which is ironic between it all, but we got outbid, but we were still able to raise $45 million within a week just through tweets essentially. And the crazy thing about that is yes, I donated a very small amount of money, but because of the way that web three works and we were issued tokens, not to get too technical. Yeah. My donation actually turned into me making five or six times my money. Wow. So again, you need to try to understand the internet money side of things. Cause if the technology side doesn't excite you, maybe the money side of it will. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just something that you might want to dive into just like, again, 10, 20, 30 minutes a day. Don't go crazy down a rabbit hole, but just keep your mind excited about it because you never know what facet within Web3 that you'll really want to dive into. Yeah. And a lot of Web3 is really powered by the blockchain and Mm -hmm. the decentralization and all those macro trends that we've touched on again on the show. So I I really do appreciate the, the insight there. As we're wrapping up here, do you have some uh, concluding thoughts for our listeners? Thanks again for joining Justin Nguyen, the CEO of Declassified Media. It's the Declassified College podcast. If folks want to find you, maybe remind them where to find you. And then I'd love to hear some concluding thoughts as we wrap up here. Definitely. If you want to get in touch with me, LinkedIn is going to be the best place there. It's just LinkedIn forward slash IN forward slash Justin GCGU is my, my URL. And then... If you want to follow Declassified on any of our platforms, it's Declassified College on TikTok and then the Declassified College podcast on any podcasting platform. Mm-hmm. The, the last piece of advice that I would share to anyone listening, if you're someone who's in higher ed or if your target demographic is students because you're trying to provide career services or whatever it may be, I would sit down and actually talk to some of your students and listen to them. That's one of the biggest mistakes that higher ed does. They like to pretend that they're listening rather than actually acting upon it. And if you're able to find a way to to take yourself away from that conversation, and what I mean by that is coming from a more authentic place, because if you're sitting down with your boss, you're going to tell them a little bit different story than if you're talking with your friend. Mm -hmm. So finding a way to actually talk to your students in an authentic way is going to show you the pros of your school, the cons of your school, and actually allow you to improve rather Mm -hmm. than getting some fake response because the student thinks that if they say something wrong, they might get their scholarship taken away or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So have a conversation with your students. They're going to teach you a lot more than what you're probably paying any huge consulting firm to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And if if they're interested, they could track Justin Nguyen down and get access to some of that cutting edge insight and relevant content for rising generations. And for all of us, really, where it's important for us to understand each other across the generational divides these days as well. Really appreciate you joining us on the show. Thanks so much for coming, Justin. No, thank you. And for our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed what you were hearing. We're trying to identify what's new and on the rise. And I think this episode hopefully fulfills that promise. We're here every week, trending in education. The podcast will be back again soon. Thanks as always for listening.